Hi, and welcome to the second episode of our podcast series addressing workplace sexual harassment. Let's talk respective work. And we spoke in our first episode about the fact that employers and PCBUs are soon going to be subject to a positive duty to eliminate sex discrimination, sexual harassment and other similar unlawful conduct. I imagine this is going to have significant implications for boards and executive teams. What do you think that they should be thinking about in relation to this issue? It's a really good question, Ruth. I mean, we could go on and on about why um, sexual harassment and other conduct, which is unlawful under the Sex Discrimination Act, is an issue that should be high on the agenda for boards and executive teams. And in fact, we know that it is because we hear that feedback speaking to clients. I think it's for a number of reasons. Firstly, being confronted with a sexual harassment scandal has the potential to be highly damaging for boards and executive teams. The potential reputational impact is huge and the financial impact to the company, both in terms of lost productivity, but also loss of shareholder value for listed companies is significant. Secondly, and as we'll touch on in our episode on work health and safety law, officers of a company have a personal due diligence duty. And that will um, extend to company directors and usually the executive team. We'll cover that in more detail in that episode. But given sexual harassment is a known safety risk, clearly it needs to be on the agenda for executives and boards. And further, more broadly, boards and executive teams have such an integral role to play in eliminating sexual harassment in the way in which they influence and set company culture. So I think boards and executive teams should be thinking about this um, issue from a governance perspective. Can you talk me through what you mean by that in a little bit more detail? Yeah, I mean, I think there's several aspects to it. Um, Firstly, the findings of the respective work report pretty clearly indicate that sexual harassment is pervasive and occurring in all industries in companies of all sizes. So I think boards and executive teams can start from the assumption that sexual harassment is occurring in their company. Secondly, the respective work amendments are bringing about a landmark change in the focus from compliance. So responding to a complaint, protecting the interests of the organisation to prevention. And that requires a complete shift in the way organisations have traditionally thought about sexual harassment Um, and both boards and executive teams have a critical role to play in ensuring um, the organisation is moving towards that preventative approach. Do we have a sense of how sophisticated or mature the governance on sexual harassment is generally in corporate Australia? Do we do to some degree? So clearly it is varied um, and there is some research that tells us this. A key finding in research commissioned by the Australian Council of Superannuation Investors, which was undertaken by the AHRC, the Australian Human Rights Commission, um, the report was called Equality Across the Board. It is not always clear in ASX 200 companies that the board bears primary responsibility and accountability for overseeing and monitoring how effective the organisation is at dealing with workplace sexual harassment. Certainly the ACSI's view is that the board does have this primary responsibility. And yet um, the research indicated a disparity of views about where this responsibility sits. So legal HR, the risk function. Um, Another important finding in that research relates to reporting that is received by executive teams and boards. 
most survey respondents indicated that sexual harassment incidents are usually reported to executive management, but less than half of respondents indicated that the information would be reported to the board or a board subcommittee. I expect that's going to need to change. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, boards and executive teams will need to elevate the issue. Um, the impetus to do that is really coming from multiple fronts. It's the legal changes that we've been discussing, but also, you know, changed community expectations um, and for listed companies, the expectations from the market. So thinking about all these things, what do you think are the main um, issues that boards and executive teams should be considering from a governance perspective at this point in time? I think much like the way that safety is considered at a board and executive level, there's a number of different elements and, and safety I think is a helpful um, uh, prism from which to view the issue for boards and exec teams. Firstly, understanding the risks of sexual harassment and sex discrimination in the organisation, remembering that the positive duty that we've spoken about in episode one is not limited to eliminating sexual harassment, but also sex-based discrimination and, and similar unlawful conduct. Um, Secondly, the role that the board and an executive team can play in championing gender diversity. We know that improved representation of women in workplaces reduces sexual harassment. And we know that boards and executive teams have a crucial role to play in influencing company culture. So if this issue does not receive sufficient attention and focus at this level, then that's a missed opportunity. I think thirdly, ensuring the company actually has a system and strategy to ensure gender equality and prevent sexual harassment. That is for obvious reasons essential to ensuring compliance with the new um, positive legal duty. Um, I think there's a real um, uh, something to be said about the reporting that is received by boards. Um, lots of companies say they are receiving data on sexual harassment, um, but are boards and executive teams testing and challenging that data um, are boards being inquisitive um, and challenging management on these issues. I think another important point is how the company responds to complaints. So um, boards and executive teams need to take a very considered approach to responding to complaints and perhaps rethink existing practices to make sure that complaints are being handled in a way that balances the interests of the company, but also the perspective and the interests of the complainant and, you know, to a degree, the, the respondent or um, harasser if the complaints are substantiated. Um, and finally, I think the other point I would make is around transparency. We talked in more detail about NDAs in another episode, but there's a wider issue for boards and executive teams to consider about transparency and disclosure. And this isn't just on an internal level. So what will you tell your employees about the prevalence of sexual harassment cases in your organisation and how they're handled, but also external disclosure to stakeholders and the wider community. So we're waiting to see whether the ASX Corporate Governance Council, for example, will introduce sexual harassment indicators for listed companies um, to report against under its corporate governance principles and recommendations. So is it fair to say, I think in summary, that boards and executive teams have a really crucial role to play in setting the standard and influencing workforce culture? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more. Thanks, Ruth. And thanks for listening today. 
please join us for episode three where we'll talk about the issue from a WHS perspective.